This is my mother-in-law, Betty Ward. So let's remember Carolyn Ward in prayer. All right, we're going to open up in a word of prayer. Go to the Lord, ask him to help us tonight. And uh, we're just looking forward for what he'll do tonight. Adam, would you stand up where you are and open us up in a word of prayer? announcements that we want to remember. Uh, Discovery Club and Youth Group Tuesday 6.30. Thursday night is Men's 33 Series with basketball to follow. Uh, Al's Luncheon is next Sunday. That is a Valentine's Luncheon on the 12th. Make sure that you sign up for that. Paint Night Friday the 17th uh, at 6 over in the Fellowship Hall. Look for that as well. Uh, Young Adults Bible Study February 18th in the Fellowship Hall. And WMU Meeting Sunday, February the 19th, so make sure that you get all those. Don't forget either, there's a fellowship meeting, and that will be at Kennett Square Missionary Baptist Church on Saturday evening, February the 25th at 7 o'clock. 
there'll be an executive committee meeting at 6.15. Everyone is invited to come to the service at 7 o'clock, so make sure you mark your calendar down for that. Also, don't forget about the choir clinic as well uh, and all of those good things, directory photos. Make sure that you get a bulletin, that you've got the announcements and all of those good stuff, so don't forget that. All right, at this time, we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. And boy, we do just praise the Lord uh, for His Spirit moving in our hearts this morning. We're thankful for the one that came forward and got saved, and we pray that the Lord will use it. And uh, I just kind of was thinking as I was leaving out this morning, everything's better when somebody gets saved. Amen? I mean, it just makes everything better. Amen? And let's just pray that the Lord will keep letting us see folks saved and baptized. And uh, man, I'd love to baptize somebody uh, every Sunday if we have to. And so let's pray for that and uh, ask the Lord to just help us with it. Kurt, would you ask a blessing on the offering? and blessed assurance. Filled with His goodness, 
Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground
message tonight, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very important, the way that we approach God. Sometimes I don't think we, uh, we realize that. We hear a lot of stuff, you know, about, you know, just come as you are and all of these type of things, but uh, He is to be reverenced. Amen. He is, yes. and uh, we should come with, to Him with the right attitude, and uh, I just want Daryl to sing this before we preach the message. Father, I have wondered why I've had to live such a hard life This is one of your children Shouldn't things be better for me? There's so many valleys, there've been too many hills. I thought, but I was wrong, Father. I'm sorry, I couldn't see that you.
I want you to turn with me this evening to the book of Joel, chapter number 2. The book of Joel, chapter number 2. It's been a while since I've done this, but and I don't have the book in my hand, but uh, we'll share it, and you can check it out later. But a book that uh, I've been reading, I'm not quite done with it, because I'll just let you know it's a tough read, and it's something that I will probably use and go back to all the time. But it's a book by from uh, G.K. Beale, and uh, it's a handbook on the New Testament use of the Old Testament. And it's just a great book. It's Exegesis and Interpretation. It's a great book that goes through and shows you how uh, New Testament writers, when they're using the Old Testament scriptures, the ways that they're doing it, the things that they're pointing out, uh, it's pretty unique. Uh, in some ways, I don't want to give it away. But as a matter of fact, I will share you the reason I picked up the book is someone shared with me, they said, do you ever feel like that sometimes a New Testament writer takes an Old Testament scripture out of context? And I said, yeah, I feel like they do that. And he said, well, then you need to read this book right here. And I said, okay, I'm going to get that book. And uh, I know that was a lot of information at you at one time, uh, but uh, it's a great book. And uh, it's, it's a little bit of an academic read. It really is. I get that. But I still believe that we ought to share those books. And uh, Beale is an amazing theologian, and uh, it's just got some great stuff in it. So I encourage you to check that book out as well. Sorry. You ready? Handbook on the New Testament use of the Old Testament. Okay? And we'll share it on Facebook too. So it'll be there so you can see it. Right? Okay. There we go. Did you get it? Right. We want to make sure you're up to speed here. All right, uh, Joel chapter number two, I want to read uh, one verse, uh, and that is, that's not the verse I wanted to, anyway, let's read verse number one of chapter number two, stand with me, uh, and we will read that, I'm sorry, that is what I wanted to read, let's go to chapter two, verse number 11, okay, chapter two, verse number 11, we're going to read one verse, but we're going to preach the whole chapter tonight. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to just take a look in your word again tonight. We pray that you would help us. We do know and believe that you have something great in your word for us tonight. Uh, the Word of God itself speaks into our lives the truth that we need to live by. And we want to make sure that we interpret it correctly so we can make the correct application in our life so that we can live godly lives. Dear Lord, we want to impact this neighborhood and, the, and these folks. And they don't, we don't just need little uh, you know, feel-good statements. We need the Word of truth brought into our lives, lived out, Every day, And so we pray that tonight, again, as we come to the word, that it would speak volumes into our heart uh, of what's going on. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We went through chapter number one in two different ways. We overviewed the book, the whole thing. We looked at chapter number one on Wednesday night. We discussed quite a few things in there. Now we come to chapter number two. Joel has spoken about the fact that there's been this uh, this devastation that's taken place and now as he moves into chapter number two there's a key phrase that's important 
a matter of fact, it's important throughout pretty much all of the prophets, and that is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, if you want to do any studying on that, you certainly could, and you're going to find out that the day of the Lord is a day when God directly intervenes in the affairs of man so that he can uh, uh, deliver punishment sometimes, bring judgment, uh, do many different things. And we understand also, as we've been reading through these passages of Scripture, that as he calls the day of the Lord, he can speak of a close future or a far future event as he does in the book of Joel, and we'll see that here uh, in chapter number 2 again. As he moves into this thing, uh, he lets us know, and again, he starts to go with it in verse number 1, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of an overview. In verses 1 through 11, he talks about the invading army of the north being, as it were, this plague of locusts. Just like we said, and I'm kind of just giving you the, the background, then we'll get into the heart of the message so that we remember where we are because that is so important to me. Uh, and he again, he moves into this time to say, we saw the locusts, but I want to paint you another picture that if you're not careful, that there is another, a greater day of the Lord that's coming when these armies will move in. And so in 1 through 11, he's depicting that. But he's also depicting a far day when he talks about the fact of the day in the valley of Armageddon when God is going to judge everyone. And that's found in Revelation chapter 16. And if you have a Schofield Bible like mine, if you look at the heading of chapter number 2, he's even going to say that Revelation 16, 14 is referenced. And so we see that, that he's talking about there's this great day, a, a reckoning as it were, where God is going to judge uh, and it even is a foreshadowing of this great judgment that God will have. As he goes through verses 12 through 17, he once again encourages them to repent. This again is also the theme of all of the prophets. The day of the Lord is at hand. Here he said it's nigh, it's right here. And again, it's repent. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it is important because it is reiterated over and over and over again. When he goes through verses 18 through 27, the Lord responds to the call of repentance of God's people. And there's some beautiful verses there as he talks about uh, his deliverance from evil. And I love specifically verse number 27 when he says, And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And as a matter of fact, as I had been preparing this message all week, this morning... I can tell you that my thoughts and my mind was going to that because it's good to know when the Lord is in the midst. Amen? It's a really good place to be when you just are so aware that God is with you. And man, He has given that promise to His people. God does not want to hide His face from you. If you seek Him, you will find Him. Man, what a good promise that he said. And so he says all of those things in there, they're beautiful. And then as he goes in verses 28 through 32, he starts talking about uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which is also seen in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, it's a direct quotation from the book of Acts when we get into verse number 28. And we see that God is generous with his spirit. Amen especially in these latter days. And this is so beautiful and so wonderful. 
And when you look throughout the Old Testament, I don't think that we realize what a blessing that we're living in in the fact that God is so liberally pouring out the Holy Spirit upon us. What a blessing it is. And so that's what he talks about there in the book of Joel. He gives images of these. He looks near, he looks far, and he does all of those things. But I want you to think about this as we look at this passage of Scripture and as we think about just for a few moments, what is it that I can do or how is this going to affect me? Okay? I want you to think about this just for a moment. We understand what's going on and we see the different sections. But I cannot affect whether or not God will send the judgment. I, I mean, I can, uh, I can do certain things and I can pray and I can pray for the healing. But when it comes to my nation as a whole, I, I don't have a whole lot to do with that. And also when it comes to what the Lord is going to do with the pouring out of His Spirit and how the Lord's going to move, those things are in the Lord's hands and they're not mine. But what I do know from this passage of Scripture that I can apply directly to my life for right now is found in that middle section and that has to do with repentance. With repenting. That's a little word, a big word that we talk about a lot. And I know that in some ways we spend some time on it, but also I think it, uh, it has a lot of vagueness that goes along with it. We talk about turning, and, and I'm going to put the, uh, some of these in there. But I want us to go to this passage of Scripture and say, as Joel is telling the nation of Israel to repent, and as he's giving them these specific verses of it, how are they supposed to do it? And also, what is the attitude that they're supposed to do it in? And what is supposed to be, the, what is it going to produce in their life? How is it going to be known that they have truly repented? Because isn't it true that sometimes we wonder, even with all of the things that we've said and all of the things that we have, there's some of us in here and sometimes we wonder where we stand with God, right? Hey, you can be honest, it's, it's Sunday night, we're all pretty much home folks in here, but you've been there where you thought, hey, I called on the name of the Lord, I prayed to God, I asked Him to save me, I felt like my heart was contrite, I felt like I came the right way, but right now I just don't really feel like I'm saved or I don't feel this way or that way. What is going on in my life? I need to know, did I repent right? Right? Did I do this right? Because it's a tough thing, right? And here in the book of Joel, he throws out some things that I think are very important that can help us with that, okay? So here we have, we'll start off in verse number, so you already know we're going to focus on verses 12 through 17 because that's the ones that we pointed out that have to do with that. So we're going to look at them real quick. Verses 12 and 13, let's read those and uh, bring our first point. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn. There's that word. We're familiar with that one when we talk about repent, aren't we? Therefore, also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. The first thing that we have to do, and I know that it's elementary. I know that you're going to say, Mike, we've heard that so many times. I'm going to, 
I'm going to go into it a little bit here for a moment. But the first thing he says is, turn unto me. Turn to the Lord. We are aware of this basic principle of repentance. And if you're not, I'm going to hit it real quick. The, the whole idea of it is to stop going the direction you're going in and turn around and start going towards God. We are always, as men, looking for our own devices. Right from the very beginning, when man sinned in the garden, his big problem was he felt like, because of the Satan, that God was somehow holding out on him or hiding something from him. He said, listen, Satan says, God just doesn't want you to have this knowledge of, the, of good and evil. And for that split moment, he thought, you know what, God isn't being truthful or not caring about me. And I'm going to go my own way and get this knowledge for myself. But nothing could be further from the truth. God is always constantly looking for the best for us and for us. And so for that reason, we have to, by faith, stop going our own direction, which in our minds makes sense to us, and turn around, and that's one reason it's by faith, and start going in His direction, because His direction probably won't make that much sense to us. We're going to look at it and go, this seems like it's gonna, this is doomed for failure, but God's ways are perfect, and they're so much higher than ours. And he says, why don't you just trust me and turn around and follow me for a while? And this turning that we'll do, it can't be halfway, right? It's not like I'm going to go, well, let me keep looking here and looking here and seeing which way is better. No, I turn my back on those things of the past and I start moving full steam ahead in this direction. I turn. I got a few things that I want us to put in here. We need to stop pretending that momentary affection towards God is sufficient in repentance. We need to start, stop acting like, you know what? I was moved in the service this morning and therefore I had an experience with God and that's enough to get me through the week. That's not near enough to get you through the week. As a matter of fact, that's not enough for you to have a real relationship with God. That's not enough to call it Christianity. That's not enough to get you anywhere. You need to turn your face towards the Heavenly Father and be fixed upon His presence and longing for it every single day. But we make it act like because we read a little devotional book, you know, three times this week, and it stirred our hearts a little bit that somehow we're in a great place with God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His holy face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. See, there's a lot of us, we're wondering why the lights of this world are still so bright in our eyes, because we haven't turned around and fixed our eyes on Jesus. We're still standing right here. And he's saying repentance isn't just, oh no, I get in and, and I felt good about this and, and I had a little bit of a feeling and I did this. No, no, it's that my gaze, my entire fixation has become upon Jesus Christ and I just can't seem to get enough. He is our daily bread. He's what we need.
we turn around. The other thing that he talks about here as we look at it is that fasting, the seriousness of it, and the brokenness and the despair that needs to come into our life as we turn to him, being serious about it. This is uniquely profound that affects us. That's what I think about when I think about fasting, uniquely profound. And then also it is going to touch our body, our soul, and our mind as we repent. Isn't that funny? We probably only think about our soul when it comes to repentance. We probably only think about our soul when we think about living our life for Christ. But we know that the body is, or the word of God is very clear that he wants our body, our mind, and our soul. That the whole being would be turned towards God and that we would repent. Oh, we like we like for our emotions to be touched by the Spirit of God. We like to feel good about it. But what about our body on Monday morning when it's time to go out into the world? Is our body in a place where we can serve the Lord with it? Let me just ask you, are we in control of our body so that we can serve the Lord? Hmm, a big tough one right there, isn't it? We really don't act like our body is anything but our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right? We read it this morning. We, we were reading it right there, that Jesus Christ had a body, and Jesus Christ, when he came, was the physical manifestation of the presence of God on earth. You've heard me preach this enough times to say it. And now that he is gone, the church is the body of Christ, and it is the physical manifestation of God on this earth the church and we are the body and we have a body and we worship him with this body it should glorify God what know you not that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable under the Lord which is your reasonable service stop acting like it's just some sort of spiritual walk that you're going to have with God but you worship him with your body as well what we do with our hands, what we do with our, also with our mind. That's why fasting is so important. We keep going through these things. And man, if we have to understand anything, that we have to come to a place where all of these are together. I really, I got to move on. I, I knew I wanted to go in depth with some of these, but I got to move on because that wasn't even the point that I really wanted to bring out. Okay, number one, turn to the Lord. You know it. We could really dwell on it, and we really do need to from time to time. You might want to go home and, and just keep studying some of those things. Verse number 14, let's read that. Number one, turn to the Lord, verses 12 and 13. Number two, verse number 14, notice this, what he says. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord our God? Who knoweth? Who, who can tell if God will be merciful? Now, no, notice, think about it. He's already said at the end of verse 13, the Lord is gracious. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is, he's going to do this. He's going to, he's going to, his loving kindness is always to it. But then in the same time, he also goes, I don't know this time. This is not about the character of God, but this is about how bad they've sinned. That's what he's saying. I'm just, 
Because we, the character of God doesn't change, right? Amen. But this is, the, this is Joel saying, we might have gone too far this time. We might have we crossed the line. Who can tell? Let me what I, here's what I got for you on this one. The, the title of this point is not great, but it'll make sense in a minute. Who knows? Who knows? I believe that what is being said here is a really important point. I really believe that it's important because we have to understand that the attitude of the person who comes to God in real repentance has such a weight on him or her of his sin and the place where he's at that as he is approaching God, he really doesn't think that God is going to forgive him of this one this time. He just feels that he's gone too far and I've made too much of a mess of it. And as tough as that place feels, it's actually a great place to be. I actually have some more Bible to back this up. In the story of the prodigal son, the Bible says that feeding the pigs and in the slop of the pigs that he came to himself. And he said, I'm not going to go home and beg if I can be a son again, but I'm just going to go home and say, I don't deserve to be your son. I don't deserve to be in the family. I've ruined your name and I've made a mess of it. But if you would just please, just let me back into your house. The smallest part of your house will do. But what does the father do? He puts his arms all around him, right? And puts a robe on him and puts a ring on his finger. And he says, kill a fatted calf because he that was dead is alive again. And my son is home. But notice the attitude of repentance of the young man. He said, I'm coming home, but I'm kind of scared, and I just don't feel like I deserve any of this. How do we approach God when we repent? Do we come back and bargain with God? Do we come back and we're saying, oh God, you know, I, I've always been... That's what the elder son, I'm not telling you, that is one of the most powerful uh, parables that we have in the Bible. The elder son says, I've always served you. Boy, what arrogance comes out of his heart. What arrogance comes out of his heart and his mind as he says that to the father. And how often do we come back to the father when what we really need to do is repent and yet we come back and start going, but God, and I done all this for you? Lo, these many years have I served you. That's what the elder son says. You never killed the fatted calf for me. You never gave me a party. You never did anything for me. Oh no, that is not how we approach the God of heaven. We approach him saying, I shouldn't be here. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't come this way. When you Last time that you repented, oh, guess what? And Christians, we still need to repent. 
Amen? That one got zero amens until I asked for them. That's how you know a Baptist preacher. He asks for amens, all right? And he said, but the last time that you repented, how was your heart with God? Were you almost scared to come in his presence? Were you worried that maybe this time you'd just gone too far? Oh, I know that's a scary place to be, but I'm telling you, that desperation, that seriousness, that, that understanding of the, of the great gap between him and us is exactly where God wants us. I'm glad I got lost so I could be. It's what it takes. We are no longer worthy. As a matter of fact, and I don't even got time to talk about that, the meat offering and the drink offering is always given from an inferior to a superior. I come and bring this offering. It says in the very offering that I am inferior to you, God. But we act like we got something to bring him in our offering. We're proud in our sacrifice. Boy, there's a lot of preaching in that one, okay? But we're going to leave it alone for tonight. So number one, turn to the Lord. Number two, who knows? If he will repent, and I'm glad he does. Boy. And then number three. Talk about the talk about Joel beating a dead horse, as it were, but it's there in our text again. Verse number 15 and verse number 16. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breast, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Sanctify the congregation. A result of true repentance is that God's people are sanctified. They're sanctified. They're separated. They're called out. They are distinct from the rest of the world for a purpose. This, this word sanctified goes right along with that peculiar word that we find in the New Testament where he says a peculiar people. It means set apart for a specific purpose. These are God's people to bring the blessings of God to this place. Sanctify yourself. If you have repented, you should find yourself in a place where you are separated from the world, where you can be used of God. You're different. You look different. You talk different. We just act different. The world knows it. Because we have a different purpose. The world's purpose is me, myself, and I. Our purpose is is the glory of God the Father continuously. How can I be in your service? Lord, separate me, cleanse me so that I could be that vessel. It's going to happen all the time. This is the real, this is really why we are repenting. Oh my goodness. And there comes down the other heavy hammer, doesn't it? Why do you repent? Do you repent because you've lost something in your life and you're trying to gain it back? 
Do you repent because maybe you've lost favor with certain people and you think it'll get it back? No, we repent because we're dirty and God's not able to use us. And we repent so he can clean us up and make us a vessel of honor again, fit for the master's use. I'm not repenting for me. I'm repenting so God can use me again. That's what I'm repenting for. Not because I, I, need, I need it, I understand that. But my aim is still on the glory of God the Father in my life. That I would be sanctified. Has the experience been so heart-changing that it will affect our practice? Hmm. That's a good place to be. When what we have experienced in the house of God and by the moving of God is so overwhelming that it affects our practice every single day. Have you ever had something happen in your life that made you change the way you do everything? Right? Yeah. That's how repentance. We change everything that we're doing. We sanctify ourselves. We come to God. Setting ourselves apart. Free from even the appearance of sin. Not wanting to be even associated with it. That we would be fit for his use. Every head bowed, every eye closed this evening. They come and prepare a hymn of invitation. Joel gives a lesson in repentance. That was the title of my message. Turn to the Lord. Have an attitude of who knows if he'll repent. Who knows if he'll have me back. Sanctifying ourselves. This is the production of repentance in our life. A life that's clean. Ready to be used by him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we have seen and gathered from the word of God tonight. Dear Lord, we need to repent. I need to repent. I did a lot of it as I was preparing this. Dear Lord, I want to finish by thanking you for this thing right here. That when I come to repent, and I come scared and frightened, angry, upset, and disappointed, but yet when I come, I find your riches are new every morning. Your mercies extend to me. And I find it's the very best thing that I can do. So dear God, help us. As frightening as it may be to repent. As frightening as it may be to consider ourselves so unworthy and I even know in a world we live in, say, we shouldn't think of ourselves in such a low way and have such low self-esteem of ourselves. But God, I found that when we humble ourselves, that you lift us up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Help us, dear God, to be willing to empty ourselves so that we can be full of the Holy Spirit 
and you're working in our life. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand. In a place called To be crowned.